We thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We can find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Lord, open up to us greater knowledge about divine health and healing, Father. Sometimes these things are mysteries to us. I know there are things I still want to know more about. I still have questions. I still want to know them thoroughly. So I thank you for the opportunity to be able to uh, have those things opened up to us by revelation in your word. So give us that today, Lord. We hunger for it. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that you ought to be healed. You ought to be healed. Amen. You ought to be healed. You ought to be healed. Amen. I'm going to uh, just read your uh, our scriptures. So I like to read the scripture in Proverbs chapter 4, 20 and 22. It says, My son, attend to my word. Incline thy ear to my sayings, let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to those that find them and health or medicine to all of their flesh. All of their flesh. I don't care what it is that the devil's attacking you with. If it's heart flesh, if it's brain flesh, if it's whatever kind of flesh, you're, the word of God provides health and healing To any part of your body. It goes right to that affected part. And then the word begins to take up residence there. And healing begins to form. I don't care if it's just in a small seed form. As long as you feed that seed, it will grow. You know, many times we try to get a little discouraged if we don't see things right away. Uh, I know we, you know, sometimes you look at, uh, uh, say, shows like uh, Benny Hinn, you know, they have people up there, oh, I got healed, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't know when that healing started in that person. Now, some people can come right in off the street and start listening to the word and boom, 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 boom. It's like that with them. But then there's some things that are processes in our bodies and uh, things that have to take place over a period of time. Never get discouraged with the passage of time. I remember Fred Price saying that. He says, now this is one thing you have to know about faith. He said, once you enter into faith, time cannot be a problem to you anymore. And I think that's true not only about healing, but about anything else that we're seeking God for. Time can never be a problem to us. If it starts out as a problem, it will be a problem until you put an end to it. Because there is no time limitation on anything that has to do with faith. The faith of the Son of God is eternal. It will work uh, no matter what. It will work in season, out of season. It will work when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. Faith just works. And so we have to have that confidence in God that when we put something before him, he doesn't forget it. He knows exactly what you asked him for. He knows when you ask him for it. He's got it on schedule in your life, and it will come to pass. But healing is something that Jesus had a different kind of intensity about when he's told the, he said about the woman who was in the uh, temple that day, he said, she ought to be healed. Amen. And so we're going to talk about that fact and, and how God feels about healing. And so if we could feel more like he does about things, I think we'll, life will work better for us. So there's another scripture I want to read you in Proverbs 3. 3 verse 1, it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. Uh, it's got to be a heartfelt thing. Anybody can obey God for a season, and when they're done, they're done. You know, you just go back to doing what you used to do. You know, we anybody can do anything for a season. But when it's a heartfelt thing, you'll make a habit out of it, and it'll become a lifestyle to you. So this is what God is saying. Let my word be a lifestyle to you. Let it create your life for you. Uh, live according to what I have for you, what I think about you, what I say about you. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That means that you don't know. You're more than what you look like. Amen. You're more than what you don't look like. Amen. You're more than what 
is available and visible on the surface. You're more than what you know about yourself. Because there are treasures inside of us that only God can help us tap into that we don't know the half of what uh, is available to us and the half of what we're capable of. And so when we keep that in mind, we'll understand that there's so much more potential uh, in uh, human beings. Uh, think about when I think about that word, think about that. There was a stupid commercial with a, a Pinocchio and he said you got potential and the more he said it his nose grew more like nobody there had any potential you know and I thought that is so true though about people but we don't want to believe it and when we hear it said and of course you know people who sell you those uh improvement tapes for a thousand dollars and then you don't follow through on it you don't ever improve that makes them look like liars but they really are telling the truth now i don't know if their methods will get you there but all there is so much potential in humanity uh it's just undeniable and 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 unbelievable our potential and our abilities if we'll let them be tapped into by god and so he says for length of days keep let your heart keep my commandments and hide them in your heart Meditate on God's word. Let it get deep inside of you so that you really, really believe it. He says, for length of days and years of life worth living. Amen. So it's not just you're a 90-year-old vegetable, but you're, uh, you have a life worth living. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and tranquility and prosperity. That means the wholeness of life's blessings, they will add to you. So God not only wants us to live long, when, when the Bible says things like length of days, long life, the, the implication there is that it will be a life that's worth living. It's not going to be a life of, of poverty and lack and want and fear and, uh, you know, no place to stay, no roof over your head, no security in life. But it will be a life that is worth living. Amen. Something that brings you joy and enjoyment and brings joy and enjoyment to others. And God can do that no matter what your life condition is. You know, if you're, say for instance, if you like sports, you become an athlete, he will give you a good long life and a satisfying life even in that. Uh, if you're, a, say, if you're in a hazardous job, like you're in the military, you can have a good long life and, and a lengthy life and joy with that. You see? Doesn't matter what your occupation is. It just matters who is your God. Amen? So when you know God, He will, this is true across the board. I don't care how many, uh, challenges you might have in life. He promises us a life worth living. And I think that's so important to hold on to. Uh, especially if you, you know, sometimes people have illnesses that are, that get to be a little chronic where it's hard to get beyond a certain point or it might linger at a certain stage for a while. And, and God says your life is worth living. He will give you a life worth living. So it won't be a life of total suffering. Uh, you'll have, uh, freedom. From suffering, you might have some ups and downs and things of that nature. And then God will get you to a place where it's a thing of the past. Eventually, it will be a thing of the past. Amen. And, you know, you'll, you'll have, uh, when you get to heaven, you'll have that testimony. You'll be talking to other witnesses in heaven and say, boy, did we have a rough time. Well, you don't know the half of it, girl. I had this and I had that. But you will all have that same testimony that we please God with our faith. Amen. And we endured until we, we got there. So there may be some things that will challenge you, things you may have to endure for a season, but, but joy will come in the morning. Amen. The light will break forth and, the, and his healing will come forth uh, as the rays of the sun will come to you. And so that's a promise to you from God. Amen. It's a promise to us. So in Luke chapter 13, if you'll turn there, I like this story. I, I don't I share it very often. Um, I'm not sure why there's some stories that just come to me a little more quickly, but I like this story. And I think sometimes we don't share the stories because we don't understand how Jesus can say uh, this lady ought to be healed and she's sick. And so, you know, some, sometimes if you're not well and, 
you look at this scripture and you might feel a little condemned, you know, I ought to be healed, but why am I not healed? You know, that kind of thing. But I think when you look at it in the light of what God has promised in his covenant, it'll bring you some encouragement. So hopefully it'll encourage you today. So uh, Jesus and this woman is in the synagogue in, in uh, Luke chapter 13, and we'll start in verse uh, 10. He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together or bent over and could in no wise lift herself up. So she was she was uh, um, a woman who was maybe a hunchback and uh, had grown that way, and she couldn't straighten up her spine. It was stiff like that. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. He called her to him. He called her to him. Now, see, usually when we think about faith, what do we think? Something we initiate. We always think that. Like you got to come with the goods. There's so many times we put so much pressure on ourselves. Um, but I think any time your life is out of whack, that's God drawing you to him. Got me? Remember that young man <clears throat> that was blind? And <laughs> the religious people would make you want to slap them, you know, or go slap their mama. That's how bad some of them are. But, uh, you know, he's... He wants to heal this young man. And what do religious people do? Whose fault is it? Huh? I know I've done it. You know, and, and people will do things that super spiritual people, especially the ones that know a few names of a few devils. What door did I open? All of them. You keep them open with your religion and your unbelief. In fact, that one opened wide right now. Uh, but what did Jesus say to that young man? That one young man wanted to be healed. The Pharisee said, Who's, who sinned, him or his parents or his grand? It's the generational curse people. Huh? See, to those people, the curse is stronger than the blessing. The curse is stronger than the blood to them. See, we have to be careful about a little bit of intellectual knowledge. And that's not even spiritual revelation right there. That's something they heard somebody else say. They heard somebody else say. They heard somebody else say. Second, third, and fourth hand information. Well, how do we break the curse? It's broken. You couldn't break it anyway. The blood had to do that. Huh? If you got faith in the blood, it's broken. Huh? Mm-hmm. Now, as a believer, you can use your authority to break curses. We do that all the time. You go up to people, and I don't care why the demon is lodged in them. You get it out of them. You've broken the curse over their life. You see what I'm saying? But the first thing religion wants to do, and the first thing the carnal mind will do, is say... I wonder how this happened to me. What did I do wrong? Like that's going to help you. You don't ever find people that's going to a bail bondsman to get out of trouble. Huh? And try to figure out, how did I get caught by the police? All they do, put your money down and give them a court date and get you, get you, get you out of jail, go find your lawyer. Get mom and Annie and all them, get the, the, the strange Annie, the, the crazy Annie nobody likes to talk to. Get her especially because she know how to pray and get you, you understand what I'm saying? Just get your grip and, and get on with life. Hope you can get out of this trouble this time. But that's, that's us. Whether we want to admit it or not. We're super spiritual. we all high and mighty. And I wonder what, what could I have done wrong to cause this misfortune? Hmm? 
what could you have done right for it not to happen? You don't know that answer either. So let's just bypass all of this investigative work. We don't need to investigate nothing about your case. Huh? Your case is a simple case of the devil is involved in that. But they said, when they asked Jesus, who sinned that he was born blind, him or his parents? And Jesus said, nobody. Oh! Me, nobody. We can't hang this on nobody. We can't accuse nobody, make nobody feel bad because that boy was born blind. He said, no, this is for the glory of God. Well, now, does that mean God made him blind so he can get glory out of his life? Think about it. Hmm? Jesus said, this sickness is for the glory of God. How is it that you could be sick for the glory of God? Hmm? Well, if that boy is standing there in faith and Jesus is about to heal him, oh, it is for the glory of God. See, you can be sick for the devil, for curses, for this wrong and that wrong, or you can be sick about for the glory of God. All you got to do is turn it over to him. And from then, that day forward is for his glory. You got me? He can take anything in our lives and use it for his glory. He can take sickness in you. He can take our good works. He can take our giving. He can take our ministry. He can take anything and use it for his glory. And Jesus made that known. He said, when people are sick, you don't try to hunt down what's wrong. This is turn it over to me. It's for my glory. Once I get my hands involved in it, it's going to glorify me. And that's all they're going to know about this illness. After after I get done with them, all they're going to know is God did it. Praise God for it. Huh? And what happened? That young man got his healing and went back to the temple praising God. Amen? Amen. So when Jesus knows that healing is imminent, it's for his glory. Don't think you're suffering for his glory. That is not what that means. What it means is it's in his hands now and he will be glorified even though you're sick, blind or whatever right now. But you turned it over to him and it is now for his glory. The devil is not going to get glorified out of sickness once it's turned over to God. And so Jesus said, nope, I'm getting the goods on this one. The devil is not going to go another day tormenting this child and taking his sight away from him. He ought to be able to see. That's what Jesus says. He ought to be able to see. So here this this uh, this woman who's in the temple, it says she was uh, bent over for 18 years, couldn't lift herself up. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Woman. You are loosed from your infirmity. Now, Jesus finding us really means that there is a heart cry on the inside of us for relief that only he can supply. So this lady being sick like she was, there is a heart cry on the inside of her for relief. And that's a, an application of faith in God. And many times we read these stories and we can't really track down how Jesus is able to heal them because it's not like they're going up to him, ask, they don't just ask, ask. But there are certain things that indicate faith because faith is an action, amen, as well as words. And so if we look at actions of people, we'll able, we're able to see their hearts are opening up to him in faith because there is some kind of response in them that he must recognize as faith 
for him to be able to move and, and give them what they need. And so in this woman's case, it says she it says uh, he saw her. She called to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. He called her to him. He called her to him. Well, she must have gone up there. That step of going toward Jesus was enough faith for him to heal her. You got to understand that. Anytime you give God, when he says, attend to my words, you give the word attention, that's faith. You got me? You're stretching your ears toward him to hear what he has to say. That's faith. Many times we try to make faith a project. Like you got to do this, this much, and you got to do that, that much, and you got to do this X number of times. It is not a project. It is simple as inclining your ear. That's all this woman did. He called her to him, and she must have gone to him because he continued on with the conversation, the process of the healing. Now, if she had turned around and gone back the other way, it would have been something different. But many times you'll see Jesus inviting people in because of this ought-to-be thing. This, this is, this is a, a, a concept we need to get clear because many times we look at ourselves as needing something and Jesus is over here with it and we don't have anything to bridge that gap to get us from here to there. Or we'll ask God a million times, well, uh, uh, I listened to my healing tapes the last time and I got healed. Uh, what do I do this time? Well, if that worked that time, why don't you do it again kind of thing. But see, we'll put doubt in there because we think it's got to be some kind of great challenge all the time. You know, the way the way we say it is too simple. It couldn't be that easy. You understand? It is, though. And it is because of his position and his feeling about it. So, uh, okay, it says here in verse... It, Verse 13, immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. So here, legalism will hinder you from receiving what God has for you. And when you see these crazy people putting their two cents in after Jesus does a miracle, they represent all the thoughts that come to the human mind to hinder your faith. It's the wrong day. Huh? It's illegal. It's against the law. Well, God don't work like that. He don't give, uh, he don't heal people who just said a bad word. Or he don't heal people that don't live right. You know, according to our definition of right living. The Bible says his tender mercies are over all his works. All his works. Anybody that's his work, his tender mercies are over that person. Who tell nobody they can't get healed because of what they do or what they you don't know what God's gonna do with people, huh? You know, I I I learned how to sit back and keep my mouth shut and just let the Holy Spirit work the process. And I'm telling you, God will blow your cotton picking religious mind, huh? <laughs> two lesbians came to the meeting you know they're supposed to be my friends you know this one girl used to text me all the time not text but you know send me emails all the time and you know she brought her friend with her i'm going oh brother here we go so the friend had a cast on her foot and she got the cast on her foot because she was fighting some 
chick over some chick she liked. So we got a lesbian cat fight and she breaks her ankle. So the Lord told me to tell her to come up there. He was going to heal her. And my religious nutty self in the side inside is screaming. <laughs> Not in my meeting. I'll explain this to the saints. What am I going to tell her? And I just say, shut up. And let's go with the program here. <laughs> I want to see what God's going to do. The power of God hit her foot in that cast and she walked around there like nothing was wrong with her. Crying and lifting holy hands and praising God. Huh? And I did not mention her lifestyle to her. I let her get her healing and, and pimp on. If that was what God wanted for her, that was what he wanted for her. You know what I'm saying? But see, religious thinking will make you do that. And we need to let ourselves get free from it too because we'll be spending all of our lives trying to do the right thing to impress God so he'll do something for us. When all along Jesus said we ought to have it anyway. Well, some of you got it. Some of you still puzzled. I don't care. You stay puzzled if you want to. But I'm grabbing this. Huh? Jesus, uh, he, he, the, the ruler of the synagogue, tells him it's wrong because it's the wrong day. Well, for the devil, it's always the wrong day for you to get healed. He's going to always sit up and tell you, you shouldn't have that. Uh, you mean to tell me she's in sin and she went up there and got a healing, took her cast off. The, the, God didn't heal her. The devil healed her. You know, The devil don't even own he don't have a blue cross card to give you the devil don't he got to steal one from a saint somewhere six days in which men ought to work now that was the mosaic law but there's work and there's work if you're working six and seven days a week just to get ahead Unless God has ordained that, you're not going nowhere ahead of nothing. Uh, you're not getting ahead. Uh, you're going to get tired. You're wiped out. Many times we quit going to church because, you know, you skip so many times. It's, it gets easier the longer you stay away, the easier it is. As we always say that, and it is true. Sometimes you have to fight to stay in there. So that you can get refreshed and you know, you think you're not getting anything. See, if your idea of church is something mandatory, you just have to sit there and you're not getting anything. You had the wrong idea about church anyway. Mm-hmm. Or you come because you got a little job in the church. And they depend on you. I don't think so. We had a lot of people just up and leave and somehow we get stuff done. Huh? <laughs> Seriously. It just it just goes on. So nobody's depending on you. See, that's another thing of works people get into and they think because they work for God, they can take some time off. You know, if that's your concept of church, you're not getting anything in it. You need to get on your knees and ask God to help you to receive when you get there. Amen. And help you to be committed so you can receive more. You don't know what God has ordained for you, what you could grow into if you be consistent getting yourself fed. It's the truth. So he's telling you in certain days you can work and certain days you shouldn't work. Huh? But God created the Sabbath for man to rest with him. So even though the Sabbath is a rest day for all of us, ministers still have to minister on the Sabbath. So it must not be considered work or we must get a pass on it. 
See, God made the Sabbath for us, not us for it. It don't dictate to us. We use the Sabbath the way God intended for us to use it. You understand what I'm saying? So if you're led by God in what you do, it's okay. You can call it work if you want to. Now, really, to me, what the Pharisees was doing was hustling. It wasn't work to me. I don't care what day of the week it was. Hustling them people, money changers. You know, they tell you got to bring an offering to the church. And, the, you know, the uh, priests look at it. Oh, there's something wrong with that offering. You know, uh, it's something you're, you, that dove you brought is something that ain't right with it. We inspect it. It ain't right. But we got one over here we can sell you for $15. That's why Jesus chased them all out of there. Stealing money from the people, hustling. I know one thing, that lady been coming there for 18 years probably and nobody ever helped her and got her healed anyway. So she been coming Monday through Saturday all the time anyhow and never got nothing from her. People always want to put a law on something they don't know anything about. Tell you how it's done, when it can be done, what they think about it ought to be done. And how this, you know, I always see people, you know, these little people on Facebook going to tell prophets what they're supposed to do and they ain't even no prophet. I said, how would you know? Right. <laughs> so it says here, the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrite. Right in front of everybody. See, Jesus had this kind of law. If you, if you, and God did too. Remember when David, uh, David, uh, sinned with Bathsheba and God told him, He said, What you did, you did secretly, but what I'm doing, I'm doing it openly. There are certain times when people need to be exposed openly because of the effect they have. This man's already lied to all these people there. So now Jesus has to tell him in front of all these people that he is wrong. Got me? So he calls him a hypocrite right in front of everybody. Huh? Well, if it's true, it ain't mean. I'm going to say it again. Problem with people, we try to be too politically correct, too nice to people. You know, if you rebuke somebody and, and God straightening them out, the devil will come right to you and tell them, you shouldn't have said that like that. Uh, you shouldn't have said, you embarrassed them. Well, what are they doing? I don't care if they rip people off. Are you kidding me? So he says, you hypocrite, does any one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to the water? That's work. Huh? If you don't water your 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 uh, animals, they'll die. And what kind of steward would you be? So Jesus is saying some things are just common sense to do. You don't have to go to to the law book, to the law of Moses, and decide if that's right or wrong. Your your inner man will tell you the right thing to do. He said, and for you. Taking your animals and giving them some water on the Sabbath is the right thing to do. He said, which one of you would not do that? And he says, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound all these 18 years, be loosed from this from her bond on the Sabbath day? And when he has said these things, all his adversaries were what? Hello. That's what you want. You want to shame the devil, make him go away and quit running his mouth and deceiving people. And all the people rejoiced. Why? Because truth had come into that place. They weren't bound by these old stupid religious laws. They said, oh boy, we can get healed uh, even on a Sabbath day now. What freedom. People want freedom. They don't want to be bound and be told what they can't do and what God won't do for them. People want hope and encouragement. Hoping God is never false. It's never wrong. It's never wrong to be encouraged in God. 
Now, what did Jesus mean by here? He says the implication when Jesus says, ought not this woman, shouldn't this woman be healed? This woman right here ought to be. She's a daughter of Abraham. She ought to be healed. What Jesus was saying, she's got a long-standing covenant with God that has stood for many, many years now. And you people can't do anything for her even under that covenant. So at the same time, he's putting them to shame. Huh? What did it say? They were ashamed. Everybody's talking against him. Put your eyes down. Hide your head. Go walk off the back door. Moonwalk to the back of the synagogue. You know, just make it on back there. Whatever you got to do in your shame. But they should be ashamed. Because this woman has a covenant with God and God's always had a covenant of healing to help his people. If you diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, if you sin, bring an offering to the synagogue and God will remove that sin and you be healed. But what do Pharisees do? They tell you your offering ain't good enough. It's never good enough. It's never right. It's never, you don't give enough. It's never enough. And God never says that. His grace is sufficient for you. If you're not trusting him and you're in fear, he'll help you with that. But he'll never tell you to take it away. It's not good enough. Are you kidding me? So here they walk back in shame. They ought to be ashamed because he's standing here saying it's not right for Jesus to heal her because it's Sunday. Come back on Monday. Come back tomorrow and I'll work with you. People do that to ministers all the time. It's called Absalom spirit. All you're doing is, is working people. Telling them don't go to the that person, come to you. You the one with the goods. You know every you know more than huh? You know more than the pastor. You know more than they do. Huh? Yep, you need to be ashamed. People the devil will tell you you know more than somebody all the time. This is not a matter of knowledge, it's a matter of your heart. Huh? matter of your heart there are people that, that, that don't know three scriptures to string together and can pray for everybody and everybody can get prayers answered everybody get healed huh? <laughs> it's not even about all that I'm, I'm not against knowledge don't get me wrong but it's got to be at the right place for the right thing jesus always had an urgency about alleviating suffering because his mission was bring the kingdom of God down here on earth. To bring the kingdom here. And he always demonstrated the kingdom. In Matthew 3, 2, he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. and It's right here, right now. When he said it's, 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 it's at hand, that means it's coming right now. There's no reason to wait on it. There's no reason to delay it. There's no reason to put it off. It's right here, right now. And many, many people stood waiting for God to do something. They all, wait was a, a, a typical thing that people do. It's a typical thing in church now. You either got It's either left already or it's going to come. But it's never right now. And so Jesus, when he said the kingdom of heaven is in hand, that means it's here right now. God's power is here right now. What you need from God is here right now. So he had always had an urgency about alleviating suffering and bringing the kingdom to earth. By saying the kingdom of heaven was in hand, that stirred people's faith up to receive what they wanted right then and right now. So he said, it is here now. The kingdom is in me, and I'm releasing it to those who believe it is here right now. That's what he's saying. So he says the only way he could say the kingdom is, is right here right now is that he had command over it, and he was releasing it to people. So when you have command, just like we, we have an anointing that gives us command over sickness, 
and that gives us the ability to impart healing, then the kingdom of heaven is at hand right now. You ever notice some people that that you're not sure if they know the Lord or not? uh, You know, you'll say, well, I'm going to pray for you. They, okay, and they walk away, even though they're sick. They don't know the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They think it's something, well, you know, I'll just go away. You pray for me, and somehow I'll be all right. This is the way it's done. But many times when you stop people and tell them, you know, the kingdom of heaven is now. I want to pray for you right now. I believe God's going to take that pain away from you right now. I believe God's going to shrink that tumor right now. I believe he's going to get rid of that right now. So the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what differentiated him from the Pharisees. The Pharisees didn't care if people got healed or not. If they could put you off for another day or another week, they were fine with that. You just keep coming. You keep bringing your tithes and offerings. You just keep doing what you do, you know, and we'll get along just fine. But don't expect me to do something right now today. huh? This ain't the right day for that. huh? So anything they could do to hide their inability, they do it. They saw Jesus doing things right now. So, oh, no, he's breaking the law when he does that. Huh? We keep the law around here. We're not going to offend God by healing you on the wrong day. In Luke 11 and verse 20, when devils are cast out, God's kingdom has come. Jesus says, but if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come unto you. Amen. The finger of God takes authority over all wickedness. Amen. In other words, Jesus said, I don't have to lay hands. I, I lay hands on people, but the devil I just point my finger at. and he is. See, that's an authority move. Amen. So he said, I'd finger God, make him come out. Then the kingdom has come to you. Amen. If I bless you and lay hands on you and confer the anointing and power, then the kingdom has come to you. Jesus said, I didn't take much effort for me to get rid of a devil. Everywhere Jesus went, he demonstrated the kingdom, which was within him and released to all who believed. When people desired the kingdom, they went to the king. Amen. Questions Jesus wanted them to ask, answer is, do you have a need? That was question number one. Number two is, do you believe? Number three, will you obey? He called that woman to him and she came. And that was all the obedience and faith that was necessary for her to be healed. That's it. It was the instruction of the king, the instruction of the master to the subject with the need. So once you obey the master's instruction, that's all you need to do. So when God tells you, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, Proverbs 4, 20, pay attention to the word and that word will heal you. That's all you need to do. Don't go off trying to find what else to add. You don't need a what else because you barely want to do that. I know it's true for me. You know what I mean? When you really need something, that, that Bible gets big and your eyes get heavy. And you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to get my tablet out. Like that's going to help. Tablet Bible, book Bible, I don't care what it is. It's going to struggle. You're going to struggle to get there. Well, I put a tape on. <laughs> huh? Especially if it takes more. I used to have my little Lillian Yeoman three-day healing standard. And God shot that out of the water. Like, you don't three-day me, lady. You don't call the shots here. I said, okay, God, okay. Huh? And then the struggle's on. You know, any other time you you feeling good, you just can eat the word up. Now you got a need. A little tough. Huh? 
happens to all of us. So when people desire the kingdom, they go to the king. Will you obey his instruction? These few questions must be faced by all of us in order for us to have God's kingdom to come. The kingdom is healing and restoration. When the Bible says it's righteousness, peace. Peace is a big word. huh? It means wholeness. It means nothing's missing from you, nothing's broken in spirit, soul, mind, or body. It means you're, you, you have been made whole. Everything is intact in you. And so that word peace is a big word. We Jews know that word is a big word that encompasses everything that has to do with your well-being. So there's nothing wrong with you in your well-being. In Luke chapter 1, if we'll go there, it it talks about, this prophecy of Zechariah talks about some things that Jesus would bring when he began to release the kingdom. In Luke 1 and verse uh, 68, it says here, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has visited and redeemed his people. You have been purchased out of the devil has no power over you to make you sick, to make you broke, to make you cry, to make you discouraged. He has no power over you. If we could get in faith in God for things. And stay there and not let the devil distract us with his Kool-Aid. You know, just always want you to drink from his cup and tell you it's never going to happen. It's too long. Look at what you did. Well, see, if you hadn't done that, you wouldn't be in this spot you in. Huh? Well, devil, I did it and you helped me do it. But I tell you one thing, I'm redeemed from your power. I'm not going to go another day listening to you and obeying you with your nutty self. Huh? You the one got me in this mess. But I know somebody who's going to get me out. Huh? Huh? Verse 69, God's raised up a horn of salvation for us. So in the kingdom is salvation. It's redemption. The devil has no right to you. I don't care what door you opened. If you got good sense, you'll close it or ignore it. Huh? Let Jesus guard the door. You ain't got sense enough to keep it closed. Give it to God and let him. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know how to quit shooting our mouth off with stuff. You know, just let God uh, a crop failure. I remember saying that over a lot of stuff. Huh? Remember them days? Where you say, oh, I don't want that word to bring crop failure. Yeah. <laughs> you use what you got. And verse 74, it says that he would grant unto us that we being delivered gives you deliverance. The devil putting sickness on you, God is giving you deliverance. You have deliverance. See, tormenting your mind, you have deliverance. See, telling you you can't go any further because of your past, you have deliverance. Amen? How would you like to be a murderer? Well, uh, Hebrews 11, it lists quite a number of them. The faith people call that the hall of fame of faith. There's a bunch of murderers up in there. David up in there, Moses up in there, all them people up in there. Huh? But they're great people of faith now. Mm, Wonder what happened. Huh? Redemption happened. Covenant happened. The blood happened. God happened. Huh? God doesn't hold your sins against you. You got to know that, though. You hold them against yourself. You, your own worst enemy. Huh? Hesitation is always a sign of condemnation. 
You feel you ain't entitled or you doubt. I just wish I could do something with this doubt. Yeah, me too. <laughs> huh? Oh, we're working on it. We know it's wrong, but we give into it anyway. It's so easy to do it. Uh-huh. So when Jesus approached this woman, he came to her offering peace. He, came, he always comes offering peace, the shalom of God. He offers you, I want to give you something so that you won't be broken anymore. I want to give you something that will make you whole. I want to give you something so that your body doesn't hurt. I want to give you something so that you don't fear diseases coming back. I want to give you peace. See, if you're living day to day without the assurance that that sickness will not come again, you need to get in with God on that. You know, get in with him on the things that you need him for. God, help me to get confident that this affliction will not rise up again. Amen. Help me get confident that it's over with. Jesus said that woman ought to be healed. I bet that made them Pharisees mad. They said, Dad, she's been here all this all this time and we ain't healed her. He said, she ought to be. Wonder what's wrong. I mean, anybody in their right mind would say that. But they trying to think of something smart to say. He said, she ought to be healed. That was an indictment on every priest and every minister in that place. And she's walking around 18 years like this. She's a daughter of Abraham. What's wrong with y'all? You let her walk around like this all this time? Yeah, right. Say, so what's wrong with y'all that she's not healed? In Genesis 3.15, in the garden, God promised the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. And that means that vengeance would come to the devil for everything wrong that he's done for every human being. Huh? Nothing's too big for God to do. And to be honest with you, we have all the tools that we need. We just need to learn how to put them together and use them. Let your faith take you to places that you don't think it would take you to. Let faith take you into a realm in God where you, you've never been before. And so God can show you what he would do if you would believe him. So Jesus is the seed of the woman. That's, that's who that's talking about. He's not the seed of man. He's the seed of the woman exclusively. So he is unique in this. No other human being has that characteristic. If you check Jesus' DNA or check his, his uh, uh, chromosomes, you'll find that he don't have no, he got the X factor only. He don't have no Ys. Oh, boy, y'all need to wake up. I don't know what's going on around here, but I'm going to talk to myself. That was good news when I heard it. I said, what? The seed of the woman is here? The same one God promised in the garden would bruise the devil's head, tear his head up. That means that every lie that he tells you will be exposed as wrong. That you'll always know the truth and he won't be able to deceive you. Huh? He got a terrible concussion running around here trying to run everything. That's why people who follow him get so crazy. Because his head is bruised already. He don't think right. He don't. Hey, he was bad enough when he was in heaven, but now that Jesus has come back, he's totally toe up from the flow up. Everything he says will be exposed to be wrong. All you got to do is put God's truth on it. Huh? All you got to do is put God's truth on it. Who Jesus' father is, was, and still is a mystery. Was revealed to us. We know it's the Holy Spirit. Amen? But he had that unique distinction when he walked the earth. Nobody could tell you who his daddy was. Huh? 
DNA test or not. You know, we used to play them games, you know, people. Well, you know that ain't his, his daddy, don't you? He married to her mama, but that ain't his daddy. People have rumors flying around like that ever since I was a kid. Are you six years old and you know secrets about people? That ain't their daddy, you know what I'm saying? Now that we got DNA testing, you can find out for real. Amen? But nobody could pin anybody on Jesus as being his father. Amen? He always had that distinction. I don't have no earthly daddy. Amen? Don't have one. Which means that there is no sin inheritance in him. He is holy all the time. So everything Jesus does is right. And it's just. People say, oh, he was mean to them money changers. Would you like for them to keep ripping people off? Or would you like for some justice to come? Huh? I tell you what. You can take them to court. You can plead with them all you want to. But if that don't get them out of the synagogue, it's still full of thieves. He does the same thing now. There are people now that's going to be exposed to the hilt, ripping people off, God's people off. They don't get away with that, ever. He set a standard already. He don't let that stuff go on forever. A lot of them don't even get started. You know, the ones who always try to get an offering for this and you never, they never ministry, never takes off. They whip before they get started. You know, if some preacher give you a, a phone number and it changes, disconnected in three weeks, they ain't going to make it. You understand me? Don't follow them. In Luke 13, we'll go back there. We see Jesus' pattern. How did he get people healed? 13, verse 16. Did I have that one here? Yeah. In verse 10, it says he was teaching in the synagogue. So he taught, first of all. That's how you get people healed. You must tell them what the word of God says about healing. Amen. Here's a little guy came to my house yesterday. He's a plumber. Brought his girlfriend with him. And uh, she's his assistant, though, so whatever. He has has some back troubles, long-standing back troubles, because he had told me about them before I gave him a... uh, a shirt that we, me and Tony had prayed over and given it to him when he was there once before. So I asked him, I said, you wearing your shirt still? I can tell he wasn't. I said, you know what? That's anointed with the power of God. I said, if you'll put your faith in that, you know, God will heal you. So before he left, I, I said I would pray for him. And so I laid hands on him. And I asked him, I said, can you feel the presence of God there? And he's standing there. Oh, I'm a believer. I believe. I said, listen. Can you feel that? Amen. He said, oh, yeah. I said, was well, if it's warm? I said, it's the Holy Spirit working on you now. I said, it's not just a prayer for this to happen sometime. I said, he's tangible. You can feel him. I said, the Holy Spirit's present is real to help you. And so he kind of had a different understanding about it. And then the girlfriend piped up. I should have told her to go outside, though. But I didn't want her to think I wanted a man. You know what I'm saying? Some things you got to do with a little wisdom. You know, you start telling women, you go this way and I'll go that way. They just lost the whole show already. So anyway, I called her over. I said, you put your hand where mine is. I said, oh, I believe too. I said, shut up. What did I call you over here for? But anyway, he got my point. And see, the thing of it is, you try to teach, take them another step further To give them understanding that this is real. It's not just a nice thing for me to do to pray for you. This ain't playing nice. This is God wanting you well, you know. And so Jesus, this is how he got people. He taught them and he preached and he healed. 
He taught them, he preached, and he healed. And that's what he did with this woman here. When he saw her, she did not ask for him. He called her to him and she came there. That was her faith extended. He called her forward. Her coming forward was an act of faith. So he laid hands on her to impart the anointing. She straightened up immediately and began to give praise to God. Why do people praise God when they get healed? Why do you praise God? Your spirit knows who did that. Huh? I never seen nobody say, uh, praise be to Allah for healing me. Huh? You praise God because you know who did it. The human spirit knows how to recognize its creator. And you praise God, you know God did something. You don't do that for nothing. Religion places restrictions, rules, and stipulations on healing and everything else that we're to receive from God. So there is no faith there, just a desire to stop the kingdom from progressing. So whenever the Pharisees would speak up against Jesus, it was to stop the kingdom. That was the devil's agent stopping the kingdom that is stopping him from advancing. The only way the enemy can get anything, he can't really gain anything more, but he can stop the advancement of. See, he's already prince of this world, but Jesus is king. So he's a prince but he'll never get the king ain't open for him you understand that 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 job is filled eternally so he ain't going no higher he ain't going nowhere but he will get stopped by the king and he knows it he says if i don't keep these people deceived and stupid and listening to my yak and and paying attention to me huh just like god ripped the veil off that Political correctness and all that nonsense people have been believing. And the people who believe it are so shocked everybody doesn't think like they do. huh? Sinners always think everybody thinks like they do. So when we seek healing, we will come to, uh, the thoughts will come to us to say our time is not now. You've got to fight that and say, nope, I'm receiving it today, right now in Jesus' name. You fight that time thing by calling time on it. The kingdom is now. It's always now. When Jesus said this woman ought to be healed, what does that word ought mean? It means that it's fitting, it's right, it's proper, it's necessary, it's a must-be It's a should happen. It means God owes it to you. When he says she ought to be, that means I owe it to her. Amen. Why? Because the debt's already been paid for you. You're owed that because the debt's been paid already. There's nothing you need to do except, except the fact that the debt's been paid already. If you can keep yourself out of that stupid mind control of what do I need to do and what else do I need, you don't need to do nothing but quit asking what you need to do. Because what's necessary, you couldn't do it anyway. You couldn't birth yourself here holy and die for your own sins, so cut it out. Huh? Accept what's being offered to you. And that if you believe that it's done already and you believe that God owes it to you and you believe that God is paying you off and bringing you health and healing right now, then you can have it. It's just that simple. Jesus was angry that that woman had been languishing in sickness all that time. He's angry when we feel we have to suffer. He doesn't like that. So he brings faith and hope and encouragement and enlightenment to us. So that we can receive what is owed us. You have a covenant with God and you are owed certain things. You're not working on getting it. You don't know what work to do anyway. Huh? Today is one thing, tomorrow is something else, Sunday is something else, and next week is something else. We're always trying different stuff to see if that will work. 
So that proves we don't know. But it's so much easier to just thank God for and accept it. Father, I thank you that I am healed. I don't care how long these symptoms hang around me. I am healed anyway. Symptoms don't move me into thinking I'm sick. They don't move me into thinking something's wrong. They don't move me into thinking i got to do something else. But I know that I am healed because you say so. Amen. You say so and that makes it so. And I believe that and I accept it. And don't let your little mind games tempt you away from the truth of God's word. Just stay with that truth. Stay with it. And God will come and he'll remove everything that's not like him. Amen. Just ask him to do these things for you. He'll do them. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you. We honor you and love you. We praise you. We lift you up. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised and adored. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. We honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you put on some music and we'll we'll pray for people in a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. If anybody needs prayer, come on up now. I'll pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord.